Let's listen to the word of God as found in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Hello, church. I noticed they didn't make you stand for the reading of the word. We get to sit today for the reading of the word. So here's a vocabulary quiz for this week, March 2020. COVID-19, quarantine, mm, shut down, locked down, locked in, shelter in place, drive through testing, fluid. These are the words in our world this week. March 2020, and then there's this counsel from Jesus, do not worry, don't, don't be worried, don't feel anxious. Before our world changed this week, last week, we here, we're in a series on the Bible, what, what is this book for? What does it do in our lives? Not what does it say, not uh, so much what does the ink on pages mean, not so much how do we interpret it, not, not kind of uh, policing and politicking the interpretation. Not so much, what does, what does the Bible, how, how does it help me secure my salvation? Because we know, come on, there is one solution for our salvation, that's Jesus. So it is, we've been asking the question, what does the Bible do? And it turns out in March 2020, it's a great question. What does the Bible do in our lives? What good is it, and can we close the gap between a book on a shelf that's rarely opened and a book often quoted, rarely allowed to open up our lives for transformation? Do not be worried from Jesus, our teacher today. The Bible in the real world, all right, that's 12 sayings together in that chapter, Mark chapter 6. Some of the Bible translators titled this little section, The Cure for Anxiety. 
12 sayings from Jesus that are supposed to cure our anxiety, preoccupations really with day-to-day living. All of the sayings in this section of Matthew chapter 6 are to do with the day-to-dayness of all of our lives. Don't worry, Jesus says, don't worry. This is the first of Jesus' classroom lectures in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew gives us several of them. Remember, we've talked about this often here. Matthew likes to tell the story with Jesus as a teacher. So we'll get seven of these lectures throughout Matthew's gospel. We're at the end of the first of these lectures when Jesus says, don't worry. Is that don't worry Bobby McFerrin style? Are we supposed to kind of hear the and feel the Caribbean sounds and mood and, you know, I mean, is it that, Lucas? Are we supposed to imagine a little reggae and is it coconut water? Is it that? Don't worry, Bobby McFerrin style. Is it more, um, I can't help but hear the voice of my parents, and I don't know if I should credit this to my mother or my father. Growing up in a household of six of us, they would say often, snap out of it. Snap out of it, because in a household of six, if one of you is overwhelmed, there's simply not a lot of space for all the rest of us to be overwhelmed, too. Snap out of it, my parents would say. Is that Jesus's don't worry? More like snap out of it. Don't worry, snap out of it. What you're going to eat and what you'll drink, I, I don't know. Did you find bread at the store this week? Did you find bread? Did you find eggs? A little bit, a little bit of eggs is a strange answer. <laughs> like eggs cracked open and half of them were left. <laughs> you found not enough eggs for a family of four. Okay, so you bought extra. Very, very nicely done. Did you find pasta? This is the thing that cracked me up. Pasta. All the pasta gone early in the week. The rice is gone early. Flour. Why are people buying flour? Nobody bakes. But all the flour has been gone. We're all going to now become bakers. Right? Don't worry about what you eat or about what you drink. Jesus says, because it doesn't... The neighborhood, last year I watched the neighborhood blog this morning. There's a mom in the neighborhood asking for noodles, chicken-flavored, please. I need chicken-flavored noodles for my four-year-old daughter because she's so picky and she doesn't eat anything else. I'll buy them off of you. I'll give you lots for them. Yeah, into this real COVID-19 environment. Hear the voice of Jesus who says, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about the clothes that you'll put on your body. Don't fret about tomorrow. Don't get ahead of yourself. Snap out of it, Jesus says. I'm not going to spend our time this morning repeating the heavy headlines and the drastic detours our lives have taken this week. Frankly, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what's up ahead for this week. I do know that For many of us, this week alone, one minute we feel calm and one minute we feel chaotic. And when we feel calm, we wonder if we're we're not worried enough. And when we feel chaotic, we we wonder if we're over-functioning and out of control. That's what this week has been like for many of us. And what remains is this deep sense of uncertainty. Uncertainty. It's like playing the Jenga game with the building blocks standing up. And you start pulling them one at a time and one at a time. And every move, everyone moves around and takes their turn. And you never really know when the whole thing is going to come crashing down. 
uncertain. It's unpredictable, and it's unreliable, and it's unstable, and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it drives us crazy. Uncertainty. Snap out of it, Jesus says. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Did he mean to say it that way? If you meant that, Jesus, it's not very comforting. Because I feel anxious this week, and I am worried this week. And I know people who are anxious and worried this week. And then I think of our friends who struggle with mental wellness and health all of their days. And in this particular cultural moment, I imagine their anxiety and their depression. And I'm trying to hear the words of Jesus as comforting and helpful, but they don't fall on the ear that way all the time. I know. The verse goes on to say, don't worry because the God who loves the birds of the air and the grass of the fields, how much more does this God love you? And yes, and here we still find ourselves. Uncertainty. There was a doctor, an emergency room doctor interviewed earlier in the week. I, I thought that this was um, telling when he told the news anchor, you know, human beings are fairly resistant in the emergency room, we're waiting for news. We're simply waiting for news. And I find when I give news to people, when I deliver news, even when it's the worst news, very bad news, once they know what it is, then they can begin to adjust and adapt and navigate and get on their way, even if it's terrible news. Humans are very resourceful. What I've noticed is that, that waiting, when they don't have news, it's uncertainty this physician said. It's uncertainty we don't handle well. And that seems to be where we find ourselves in this uncertain space. Uncertainty feels like our condition. Is Jesus addressing even these uncertain times? Snap out of it doesn't feel quite right. Here's why. Because the more we read this Jesus and the more we know this Jesus and the more we pay attention to this Jesus, he's just gone through this whole teaching section. This is the beginning of his ministry, the Sermon on the Mount we know well. And he ends that sermon by saying, congratulations if you're poor. Congratulations if you're hungry. Congratulations if you weep. Congratulations if people dominate you. Congratulations if you feel like you're owned by someone else and you're merchandised. Congratulations if you have enemies. Congratulations if you're persecuted because of me. Jesus has just said all of that. Congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. And by the way, don't worry and be anxious. We have to hear these together. If we read that instruction more carefully, don't worry, don't be anxious, we find that this is an action word. It's less, um, don't sit in your chair and feel worried, or don't sit in the corner and feel anxious, or don't drive around the streets feeling nervous. It's less that, and it's more, don't uh, do anxiety in the world. Don't do worry in the world. Don't create and make and stir up trouble. It's an action word. Whatever you're doing, don't embody worry. Don't embody anxiety. Don't carry it around the world and then make and create and do. It's a verb. Don't do anxiety to other people. Don't do that, Jesus says. Jesus lets us know it's smart to take care of that internal anxiety and worry we have. And this is why we have helpers in the world it's why we have our therapists and our counselors and our coaches and all of the things. And 
then we hear the words of Jesus who tells us, we will be tempted in this life. Those of us who are poor and who are weep and who cry and we feel we're owned and we don't have enough, and if that's not our world today, we will be tempted to stir up anxiety and worry and trouble for other people. Don't do it. Don't create more anxiousness for others, Jesus says. And maybe the most useful sentence of the teaching, he says, you've got enough for today. Don't create more for tomorrow. Don't take your anxious self and make a more anxious world. The text calls me to self-examination during this time. Friends, I only know one way to safeguard against creating and making and doing and stirring more anxiety and trouble in our world. It's to filter my own judgments and my own biases and my own challenges. How do I, how, where do I get this idea? In this same section, Jesus has just given another teaching. I think that we have to read them together. Just a few verses before, don't worry, don't be anxious. Jesus gives us this proverb this proverb I've been thinking about for years, I've been working on it for years, or it's been working on me for years. Jesus says in Matthew 6, your eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great would that darkness be? And not a lot of people talk about this verse, scholars, commentators. So people don't really know what to do with this verse. I, I know, we say the eye is like the window on the world. So, you know, keep the lens clean and don't let things get smudgy and, and um, you know, let the pure things come in. But in the ancient world, I think it could be heard a little differently. Because in the ancient world, they talk about optics and physics and seeing and things we pretty much don't care about right now. And... There's this idea for the ancients around Jesus' time that people see not because light is coming in, but because light is going out. It's like there's a flashlight in my mind, the light that I let out into the world, and that's fueled with my emotions and my thoughts and my intellect and my judgment and all of these things. It streams out into the world, and I gather more information and take it back in, and then I do it again and take it back in. If someone had a bad eye in the ancient world, we would be afraid of them. You would carry a charm around to protect yourself from someone with a bad eye or what they would call an evil eye because someone with a bad eye would give you all of their darkness and agitate and stir and trouble your world too. Jesus, when he says, don't worry, he's already giving us some counsel a few verses earlier. Here's one of the ways you'll work on that. Watch your judgments. Watch my biases. Watch my convictions that I put out in the world because the world probably doesn't need them right now. Watch those, Jesus says. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow and interrupt that cycle of anxiety and worry by checking my own biases and judgments and convictions that I let out into the world. What's the most generous interpretation I could have, human to human? people who are hungry and people who are weeping and people who don't have enough? What's the most generous interpretation I could have in my world today as I look around human to human of people scared out of their mind of something COVID-19? 
What's that generous interpretation? Jesus says, go with that. Go with that. We don't know what we don't know today. We don't know what we will learn next week. I happen to live in a home with a health care provider. And I think of many of you, thank you, those of you who are first responders and health care providers, thank you that you're, you're showing up for your shifts and you've not run away somewhere. Thank you for those of you who've come out of retirement and, and you've joined and run into the storm. So I'm sitting at dinner with Kirby earlier in the week and he says to me, it's very likely we will lose someone precious to us when all of this is over. And I say to him, is that helpful? Don't, why would you say that? We're used to this kind of honest conversation where I live, but, but, but why would you say that, really? He said, I mean, candidly, it's, it's simply highly possible before this is all said and done. Many thousands of people have been lost. They're just not from our tribe yet. So he was thinking on that. It's, it's possible we'll lose someone we know before this is done because thousands of people precious to God have already died in this pandemic, in another pandemic, in a prior pandemic, in a prior pandemic, in a prior outbreak of some kind of cruel humanity. It is true, then. This is the world, God's world that we're in. And still, here is our Jesus saying, it's possible that you creatures moving around in this complicated story, it's possible that you could make things worse than they already are. So please don't. Please don't create and make and do anxiety in the world. Whatever else is happening, whatever else is happening this week, there will be space for you and I to deepen our trust in the divine. Whatever else happens in these next weeks, there will be space for you and I to be more spiritually honest, to tell a better truth about God, to speak carefully and clearly to, to develop a spiritual courageousness even. Whatever else is happening this next week, we'll have space to go deeper with God. I wonder if this is what Jesus is working on anyhow. When our Elisa was three, she got into some trouble. Now, I've told this story in 25 years. I have told this story four times. I can tell you all four times because what happened when I shared this story was so memorable. Here, first time I told this story, it went like this. When Elisa was tiny, we were camping out in Death Valley. Death Valley, never camp there. It's, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> Dusty, hot, whatever, all the things. We're camping. We get up in the, we, we, we wake up one morning and the little kids are awake long before the adults. One adult was out, started the fire for the kids so breakfast could get going, and that's when we hear the screaming. Blood-curdling, loud screaming. Elisa's on fire. Elisa's on fire. Elisa's on fire. We hear these little children shrilling that Elisa's on fire. Kirby and I are in the tent. Our, 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 our fingers and our thumbs get working on the zipper. We can't get it open. We fumble with the zipper. We fumble with our words. We're screaming on the inside of the tent. Someone help her. Someone help her. Someone help her. That's all we could think to say. Somebody help her. First time I told the story, 
was to college students here on our campus. I forgot to tell the ending of the story. I stopped right there. I stopped right there. We chatted, it was in first service, we chatted afterwards, people came and went, and then later in the evening before, was, when about ready to leave, Pastor Sam comes to me and says, but, by the way, what was the ending of that story? <laughs> what story? He said, you know, Elisa on fire. I mean, how did that go? I, I didn't tell the ending? Oh, my word. Oh, well, she's fine. I mean, the next time I got up, I had to say, she's fine, yeah. She's a big girl now, it's all good. I mean, burns up the backside. Second time I told the story, I get to the part. Elisa's on fire, Elisa's on fire. We open the tent, we look out, and we see, all we can see is she's tearing that direction. Her little blonde hair is just bouncing, and she's tearing that way. And, and we, we don't see where she goes. She curves around. Pretty soon we hear it. Uncle George gets to her. He grabs her, he throws her to the ground, he rolls her in the dirt, and he puts out all the flames, and <sighs> Elisa survives. Yeah, she has little burns up the backside of her body and her hair is all singed up here. And second time I tell the story, I go all the way to the end and I hold up her little dress she was wearing that day because it's all burned up the backside and her T-shirt's all burned. And second time I tell the story, someone got up and left the room partway through. Third time I told the story, I know exactly where I was in 2006. A woman got up and left the room, and after the event, I found her in the hallway crying because once upon a time in her family, there was a fire too. And everyone survived, but it was so traumatizing. The trauma and the residual fear and anxiety of that she carried around the world. She said, I just can't hear any fire stories anywhere. Fourth time I told the story, I also know exactly where I was. And it was a couple that came to me. And when the story was over, you know, when you asked Elisa when, about the story, we would say to her, Elisa, what happened that day? And she said, well, I caught on fire, and Uncle George got me, and it was really scary, and I learned you don't wear dresses around the fire. Don't do that. I'm telling this part of the story, and a, a couple comes to me afterwards, and the tears begin to stream down their face, and they say, so there was a fire in our family, too. And it didn't turn out that way. We're glad you still have your daughter. It's the last time I told that story. It's the last time I told that story because I, I understand the complexity of standing in this world that God so loves with these various outcomes, all of us in our own lives, whatever else is happening in this cultural moment, church, we will all have opportunity to go deeper with God these next weeks. We will be able to go deeper with what we can say about God. This is not a time to say foolish things. This is not a time to spread ridiculous rumor and fear-mongering. This is not a time to claim that some of us have some kind of larger portion of God than others. During this time, we'll have opportunity to reflect, be more careful, more clear what we say about God. It turns out that Jesus says in this chapter, trust me, there comes a time in all of our lives, maybe if it's COVID-19, maybe it's not though. There comes a time in all of our lives where things, things really don't matter. That's a space we're standing in right now. 
whatever else is happening in this cultural moment. There is no food or drink or clothing or work that is more necessary than growing our trust in the divine and the divine story. I don't have a lot of answers in uncertain times. I can tell you the truth. I don't have most the answers. But I am drawn to the one who sees us through. I am drawn to the love in this divine story. I am clearer than ever that every child who shouts to God for mercy, look look at me, shine on me, don't pass me by God, I am more persuaded than ever that God already wants to save us all. Whatever else will happen in this cultural moment, hear the words of Jesus. Grow our trust in the divine. Amen.